So Luke, who is also the writer of the book of Acts, he helps us connect the Gospels and the book of Acts. And this is how he finishes the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24 from verse 36. He tells us while they were still talking about this, meaning the disciples, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Because Jesus had died, they were not expecting him to be back. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you... Why do doubts rise in your minds. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he is assuring them that he is present with them in his flesh. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they, they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them. So he shows them, and they are still struggling to accept it, but they are amazed and joyful. If this is true, then our hopes are revived, because they were hiding in fear. They were discouraged. When he died. He asked them. Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it. And ate it in their presence. And then he said to them. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he appeared, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Talking about the disciples. One of the reasons I encourage believers when you are reading God's word, it's important to ask him to help you understand. Because it is his word. Because the Bible is the only book that we read while the author is present with us. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. 
So this verse 49 points us to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where he tells them you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So you turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And Luke points us back to the gospel or the gospels. But pointing to his own gospel. Luke is, is telling us here. In Acts chapter 1 he says. In my former book Theophilus. So he is dedicating this book to Theophilus. We don't know who Theophilus is. The name means a friend of God or a lover of God. But he's the same person that is also mentioned in Luke chapter 1. So he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So the Gospels, the Gospels tells us about the ministry of the descended Jesus. His beginning to his end. The ministry of Jesus here on earth in his physical body. That's what the gospel tells us. The book of Acts, in other hand, uh, on, on the other hand, tells us about the ministry of Jesus from heaven. He has ascended, but he is still ministering here on earth. So the gospels, Jesus is present physically. In the book of Acts, he is present in the Holy Spirit. In the Gospels, Jesus gives his life to die on the cross so that you and I can have our sins forgiven. In the book of Acts, he gives his power so that you and I can become his witnesses. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that you and I can impact our world. That's the connection that Luke is making here. He wants us to know that in the Gospels he accounts the ministry of Jesus here on earth. And the next account he's going to give us is his ministry uh, through the Holy Spirit. This book of Acts teaches us how we can experience how we can experience the work of the Holy Spirit and how we can make our lives count. 
It teaches us how we can experience the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we can make our lives count as Christians. As a Christian, your life is different when you realize that Christ himself indwells you, that you have the power to do what he has called you to do. So in Luke chapter 24 that we've read from verse 45 we are told that the gospel will be preached in Jesus name and repentance and forgiveness will be proclaimed in all nations. That tells us that the gospel is for the world. It is for the world. That every person in this world should hear the gospel. That when Jesus died, he died so that the nations could hear the gospel. The gospel is for the world. But he also says in the same context that it was written about him in the prophets, the laws, and the psalms, that the Son of Man would suffer. And we know he suffered and he died. So that tells us that the gospel is not only for the world, but it is also a matter of life and death. Are we together? It's not only for the world, but it's a matter of life and death. Because our Savior died for us to be saved. So when we are proclaiming this good news to people, it's a matter of life and death. See, they say 15 minutes could save you 15% on car insurance. But it won't save your life. The gospel is the power unto salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. It is a matter of life and death. And if the gospel is a matter of, is a matter of life and death, then what's the significance of his ascension? Why, why is it so important that Jesus had to leave this world? Why didn't he stay with us? We would have loved to see him in person and walk with him and touch him and listen to his voice. Why did he have to, to go?
Now in, in, in John 17 verse 5, when Jesus is praying, he says to the Father, He asked the Father to restore him to the glory that he had before the beginning of the world. By ascending to heaven, Jesus is going back to where he came from. By ascending to heaven, Jesus is highly exalted because in heaven he is sitting on his throne. Mark 16 verse 19 tells us that he sits at the right hand of God. The right hand of God is the place of sovereign power. 1 Peter 3.22 tells us that he is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers in submission to him. And Philippians 2.9-11 tells us that therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above all names in heaven and on earth. And that all every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus had to ascend so that he can take his throne, so that he can sit on his seat of power. And that's the reason today when we are calling on Jesus, we are not just calling on another prophet. We are not just calling on someone who lived and then disappeared. We are calling on someone who sits on the seat of sovereign power. We are calling on the lords of lords and kings of kings. One who can make the rulers of this world tremble. When you are crying to Christ, you are not just crying to someone who is so far away. You are crying to the Christ who came, lived, and then ascended. And he ascended so that he can be with us. One, he ascended so that he can take his sovereign seat of power, but two, he ascended so that he can be with us. He ascended so that we can experience him even more. Christ is ministering through us today. Yes, he ascended but he ascended for our benefit. And he says in John 16 verse 7, he tells the disciples, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, 
the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He tells his disciples they felt that they needed him. The disciples understood that without Jesus they could do nothing. They know how it feels to be without Jesus because when he was buried they felt the emptiness, the fear, the loss of hope. And they hid behind closed doors because Jesus was no longer present with them. And when he appeared, their hopes were revived. They were joyful again, but now they have to see him go. And Jesus is telling them, it is for your benefit. While I wish that he was here for us to see him, I wish I could touch him and hear his voice. I'm also so glad that he ascended. Because now I can walk with him everywhere I go. Because he is forever with me. He is ministering through me. He ascended so that he can be present with us. I will not leave you alone. It is for your benefit that I go. When he ascended Jesus, he removed all restrictions. Because now, you have Christ in your life as a believer everywhere and anywhere you go. He is with you. There are times that uh, you won't feel it. It will feel like you are alone and probably some of us have experienced those moments where sometimes life becomes so difficult or you are going through pain, you are discouraged, things are happening in your life, you face a loss of your loved one dies or things happen, your, your marriage is in conflict, things happen in your life that makes you feel that Christ is no longer with you. That doesn't mean he's left you, he is still there. You know, I think a good example I can use is your own shadow. When the sun is shining or when you are in the presence of light, you will see your shadow. But when you are walking in the dark, you will not see it. But it doesn't mean it's not there. It's still there. It's only that you cannot see it. And we do go through those moments that makes us feel like we are alone. But when you hear his words you will realize that uh, it is actually for our benefit that Christ ascended. And I think this is why the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, 
Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. He concludes by saying, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus spoke to his disciples and he told them, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about in Acts chapter 1. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Water, Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I see the disciples just the way we see ourselves. Jesus is telling them what is going to happen. You are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You should wait. Why do they need to wait? They need to wait because without Jesus, they can do nothing. They have to wait. They have to wait because he is departing in his physical form and he has to come back in his spiritual form and therefore they have to wait. Sometimes waiting is difficult. We are very impatient people. We are impatient with ourselves. We are impatient with others. But the disciples needed to wait. And Jesus is telling them the things of the Spirit. And their question is, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They are still thinking earthly. There is a disconnect at this moment. And of course Jesus responds to them. He tells them it's not for you to know about the times. He's telling them this. The question you're asking is irrelevant to what you need. It's not relevant for this time. What you need to do now is wait. The good thing is today when you become a Christian, you no longer need to wait because Christ comes in right away. Look back at Luke chapter 24 and see the disciples here. When Jesus tells them to go and wait, we are told as they hear him, they 
worship him. That was their response. The disciples worshipped him. And they praised God. Seeing him going back to sit at the right hand of God. To take his glory and his power. They worshipped him. This is how we respond to the ascended Savior. Worship is our response to the sovereign Lord, to the King, to Jesus Christ. Worship is our response. When you are worshiping, you need to remind yourself that you are worshiping someone who is most powerful. That you are worshipping the Lord of Lords. That he is seated in his sovereign seat and yet he indwells you. Amen. We will see, we will see in the book of Acts that uh, the Holy Spirit is here to empower us so that we can impact our world. What you see here in the Gospels and the book of Acts also is that our response to the ascended Christ is worship. And that worship leads us to witness. Worship leads us to witness. And witness will lead to worship. You know, the reason, the reason we point people to Christ is so that they may know him and worship him. Because God is seeking for people who will worship him in truth and in spirit. So keep it in your mind that every time you are sharing your faith is because you want people to worship the true God. That's the main God. So that they may, yes, they may realize that they are sinners, and because they are sinners, they cannot worship Him. Because they are sinners, they will go to hell if they die in their sin. And you desire that they know this God so that they can worship Him. The end of evangelism is worship. Witness so that people can worship the true God. And if you worship the true God, you will want to witness. And if you witness, you will want to worship. Worship will lead us to witness, and witness will lead us to worship.
And if you are listening to us and Christ is not your Savior, I want you to know that he loves you. He cares for you. And he died for you. And you can turn to him this morning and acknowledge your sin and he will forgive you and you will worship him and for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ do you worship the Lord And if you do, does your worship lead you to witness? Because he instructs us to witness. And we will see this as we continue with the book of Acts. Father, I thank you for this morning. I lift your name and I I thank you. I pray, Lord, that in your own way you may minister to us and help us to know you more, help us to become more like you, help us to impact our world for your glory, for every family, for every child, for every couple here for every mother, every father, every grandfather and grandmother, every person represented here this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit, whom you've given us, may minister to us. I pray, Lord, that you make this truth become more clear to us, Lord. I pray that you be glorified in Jesus' name.